This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week, I am joined by a returning guest, though it's been a little while, uh, Spencer Moore, the commissioner of the Georgia Department of Driver Services. And by the time you're listening to this episode, I can say our chair of the AMVA board. Spencer, welcome back. Thank you, Ian, for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor to be back. And congratulations on moving into the role of chair of the board. I'm excited about this role. I, you know, I anticipated um, the feeling of, of a little bit of anxiety uh, taking on a responsibility, but excitement has been more than anxiety. Uh, from the standpoint of we really have an a awesome community, uh, and I'm excited to uh, jump in and, and uh, lend my strengths to ensuring that we have a great, great year uh, as chair and moving this organization as well as the community forward. Mm-hmm. So let, let's start with the obvious, which is you are transitioning into chair while the organization is going through a transition. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a very interesting dynamic, but I think it, it lends itself to be uh, a really good opportunity, right? Um, you know, for years, Anva has been served well uh, by our past CEO, but um, you and the team, uh, you guys have been a part of everything that's taken place over the last many years. Mm-hmm. So seeing the opportunity for fresh new ideas, I think that's healthy. I think that's wonderful. I, I, and I think it'll, it'll give us even greater insights and perspectives that perhaps we didn't, we didn't tackle mm-hmm. in the past. So uh, change, I, I don't like change for the sake of change, but in any situation, um, we always need to be ensuring that um, as we transition, uh, we're getting very good, competent um, people who have vision like you uh, to lead us forward, and I'm excited about that. Well, thank you. I was not asking the question, the fish for the compliment, but I'll, I'll certainly take it. But there's another similarity in that my transition internally, which allows you to know where it's worth looking at changing because mm-hmm. you've been there long enough to know where things work sure. and don't, don't fix what's not broken. That's exactly right. Um, you moving into this chair similarly because you've been on the executive committee for a number of years. You're not coming out of nowhere. That's true. That's true. And I think, you know, as an organization, we've laid a very, very good framework. Uh, and, you know, at this point, we have, we have a good um, understanding of where we want to go as a community. But at the same time, I think there are new things that are happening every day that we have to respond to. Uh, and, you know, this year, uh, when you look at it uh, from a standpoint of you have a year to try and put in place things that will help you go forward in the future, we have a strategic framework, but what can you do that you can really hone in mm. on? For me, it, it's, it's traffic safety, mm. right? Because that's, that's the background I know well. Yeah. That's something that I've, I've been a part of for a very long time. And I think as a community, we have always uh, sought to improve our condition Things like state-to-state 
DHR, mm -hmm. uh, what we're doing in the identity space, uh, they're all going to help e-titling. Mm -hmm. They're going to help us achieve that overall mission of continue one driver word, one record, yeah. but again, also data linkage mm. that allows for us to make our highways safer because we can predict some things. Uh, we can perhaps educate about some new mm -hmm. things and yeah. we can continue to engage our law enforcement partners who we know if their presence uh, is there and they're active in communities, typically that deterrence uh, creates a safer environment. Mm. So you mentioned, you know, traffic safety being your background and a passion of yours. It predates mm -hmm. your time at DDS. No, it absolutely does. I came in a uh, highway safety field at, with the governor's office for highway safety in Georgia uh, back in 1998. Mm. Uh, and, and quite frankly, if I think about uh, coming into the field, that was a, uh, you didn't have uh, front passenger legislation that people would buckle up. Right. Uh, you didn't have uh, uh, many states, especially those in the South. If you had a pickup truck, that was exempt forever. <laughs> <laughs> jump um, in the back. Let's yeah, go. Just jump in the back, whatever you need to do. Right. And, and we had not really, while you had a more of a focus on uh, child passenger safety, uh, because we all agree that we need to keep our kids safe, but we didn't think of ourselves mm -hmm. or our mm -hmm. older, um, our right. older uh, kids. Um, <laughs> and I mean, oh yeah, you're good until you're, you're six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So when I think about coming into that space uh, and what happened over time, which is, um, you know, lots of, of legislation that promoted uh, passenger uh Front seat passenger laws, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. back seat passenger laws, increase and enhanced child safety uh, seat usage, uh, work that was uh, done to discourage impaired driving and things like things that, you know, many of us who are older, it was socially acceptable sure. to do, um, quite frankly. But awareness became a big part of it. And, you know, there's very in, in every state, I think there's probably a highway safety office or traffic safety office. How well are they working with DMVs? Mm -hmm, How mm -hmm. well are they working with DOTs? Mm -hmm. How well are they working with highway police? Yeah. Uh, how are we all collectively uh, doing our part uh, to educate a, a driver that we're putting in licensing and putting on the road? We're titling that vehicle yeah. to ensure uh, that it's safe. So what are we doing collectively besides the efficiency of service, mm -hmm. security of information? What are we doing to educate that person? Hey, while you're getting these things from us, by the way, it's a very serious endeavor. Yeah. Uh, and we need to do everything that we can to be safe uh, to protect the people around us. Meanwhile, you know, we have great technology advancements mm -hmm. uh, from, <clears throat> from EVs, uh, and we know that that will impact the space over time. Um, but you will always, uh, or at least for a long time, have a hybrid world. Yeah. Where you you will have human behavior that maintains. Uh, that's the most vulnerable part of, you know, society. Yeah. Humans. We 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 sometimes make bad decisions. Yeah. So how can we help people make good decisions? Yeah. So you know you mentioned this idea of how well these offices are working together and how the efforts are mm -hmm. collaborating. 
sometimes we hear the collaboration and partnership often is driven by structure. That's true. So you in the same agency, you're not in the same agency. And I'm curious because in Georgia, you've got <clears throat> structurally the least linkage <laughs> on paper, driver services, vehicles is in another place, state police is another place, highway safety office is another place. And DOT yet, is in a different place. DOT is then in a fifth place, right? <laughs> and that's probably, I bet as you compared across um, across North America, it's probably among the, like I say, least organizationally connected on paper. So how do you, how do you tackle that in a place where it's not one cabinet secretary Gosh. where everybody's got to pound the table I, and say work together? That's a very good question. And the way that I would respond to that is the way that I, I, I typically approach and think about most things. What's, what is the commonality between all of those organizations? Mission is one, but beyond the mission is people. Mm -hmm. People. There are people, there are leaders at the top of those organizations. Uh, and what we've been able to do in Georgia is something that I think many states have been able to do more of uh, over the last several years, and, and that's collaborate. Mm -hmm. But it's going to take some dynamic leaders at the top who understand the roles of the various organizations and how they fit. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I don't know that we've done enough, uh, we've done enough in the past to, to really think about how all these puzzle pieces pit, fit together mm -hmm. to create the best outcome. And now we're, we're you know, we made really great gains uh, over years as far as reductions in traffic safety deaths and serious injury, but we're in a different space. Um, I think, um, mm -hmm. obviously, post-COVID, we have seen a lot of dynamics that have have changed. Uh, and what do we do now to re-educate yeah. uh, for so, some of those general norms that people were, were seeing, were hearing? Um, I don't really see or hear them anymore. Um, what can we do to change that narrative? What can we do in the you know, if you're coming in to get a vehicle or, or driver service, what can we do to educate an individual? Hey, you know, we're glad you're here mm -hmm. and we're going to help you. But at the same time, we are concerned about what happens when you walk out of that door. Mm. Uh, and we can't be in a situation, I think, as a community to say, oh, we just got you in and out really quickly. Right. Uh, we served you quickly. We served you, we and served you quickly. And our job is check the box. Now, we check the box and, and, and we check out. Yeah. We can't check out. We've got to remain dialed in. Uh, and we've got to do everything that we can to affect that change after that customer walks out of mm -hmm. the door. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to something you said earlier, which is you joined the Highway Safety Office around 1998. Mm -hmm. So I know how old you are. <laughs> so that's that's shortly after school. There's not a lot of time there yeah. between school and starting in that in that journey. I graduated Morehouse in 96. Uh, went to work for the Georgia State Board of Pardons and Paroles as a parole officer. So um, I had that. I was recommended to do that by um, a, a very good f family friend who was an attorney. Uh, and, and when I came out of Morehouse, I had every intention of going to law school, took mm. the LSAT, got a pretty good score. And this was my practical experience based on recommendation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got into uh, pardons and paroles. I was a parole officer and, and uh, did, the, did the 10, 12 week uh, training and did everything to become a post uh, certified uh, law enforcement officer. I did that. Um, actually, in that, although it was a very short period of time, I had the opportunity to rise while I was there. I led an arrest team, which was 
exciting. You're, I guess you're coming out of college. You've been oh, playing yeah. football, and you 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 think you're somewhat invincible. <laughs> uh, so I led this arrest team uh, that was a multifaceted FBI. It had GBI. It had pardons and paroles, and we would go after the 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 most serious offenders uh, in in Georgia. Uh, often middle of the night, uh, kicking in her door. Uh, you know, I remember having uh, a, a, a suspect who, he wasn't a suspect, we know he was an offender, he was on parole, so um, we were in the house and we noticed that the uh, attic um, string had been pulled and there was a little uh, insulation on the floor and so we get up there and I'm the first to clear that, clear that um, st stairway to get up into the building. We, you know, I, I could just see a very small part of his body hidden underneath uh, insulation. Okay. Yep. Uh, say, hey, hands up. He 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 gets hands up, but doesn't get a rafter and falls through oh, the wow. ceiling. <laughs> but I say that to say, you know, the experience has been uh, a really good one. Uh, and I followed uh, a director at Partisan Paroles from that role uh, to Highway Safety. Only because, and, and that was a chance meeting, um, but you know it goes, you know, and during during the acceptance speech, uh, I I talked about there are a lot of people along the way mm -hmm. that saw something in me that perhaps I didn't see in myself at the time, mm -hmm. uh, but he was one of those people. Um, he was reappointed from partisan paroles to governor's office for highway safety, and and said, hey, I want you to go over here and work with me. Um, and that was an awesome opportunity because it allowed me to get to Governor's Office of Highway Safety. I obviously developed a passion for traffic safety because I think there's, there's passion associated with it. But then I became uh, a governmental lobbyist. Mm. And that opened my eyes to... Through the, in the Highway Safety in the Office. Highway safety it was your role to be moving the legislation that That's the program correct. wanted to see so, happen. Yeah, he, he felt, and, and, and later the next director felt like I was a, uh, you know, I was, I, I was always wanting to learn. So uh, looking and researching and finding information and, um, and you know, through doing that, um, would have some, some su suggestions on what we should do turned into, you know, I remember I graduated driver licensing law, much of that. Mm. Uh, you know, I was in the room when it was uh, when it was performed. Was that the first time you started to have some direct interaction? I'd imagine with a GDL law, you're talking to DDS. I was talking to DDS. I was talking to uh, DOT. I was talking to public safety in ways that we were trying to convince, uh, you know, agencies to take approaches and yes, that's when I was, a, a, and, and at the time it wasn't DDS. Ah, uh, okay. It was, it was, it was uh, uh, during my time at, at GHS, it was under public safety. Uh, and then it was removed and, and there was a bigger organization created that was uh, a Department of Motor Vehicle Safety. Uh, and it wasn't until 95, excuse me, 2005 when DDS became uh, an organization and it was, you know, it's just, it was a political uh, strategy by the um, that gubernatorial candidate who ended up winning, mm -hmm. uh, but he, he ran on a, a on a, a platform that he would he would enhance government services. So 
if you were not served by the, by a licensing agency in 30 minutes or less, you got the credential oh. free. Oh, it's like the old Domino's guarantee, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the organization was born out of a political uh, strategy that that governor did win. We did accomplish that task as an organization. Um, but, uh, you know, what I'll say about that, then it really becomes about relationship mm -hmm. because it becomes how well does the highway safety director, head of state patrol, head of uh, licensing agency if necessary, head of uh, vehicle registrations, et cetera, how well do they communicate? Right. Fortunately, right. in our state, as I indicated a little bit earlier, we've, we've all uh, been a part of that path. So literally sergeants uh, who who were in the state patrol and I knew because uh, we engaged them at that level, they're mm -hmm. now colonels. Mm -hmm. So these are people that have mm -hmm. come through the yeah. 25, 6, 27 years of state government like me in friendships, relationships, have kept us, you know, focused on yeah. achieving our missions collectively. And, and it's been a, a very successful over time. And then how do you, what work do you do while you're in the seat to make sure that that culture mm -hmm. becomes a organizational culture and not necessarily reliant on the fact that you've all grown up together in, <laughs> in state government? Because that when you've got those personal relationships existing, it's sure. easy to work together. But at some point there's going to be change. It will be. You know, we started the conversation about that, about transition, right? You know, you may, you never know. Anytime a new governor may come in, there's going to be a new head of the state police. And all of a sudden it's not somebody you've known for 24 years. Uh, you're, you're exactly right. But, you know, it's, it's two things that I've always thought were um, very important uh, in, as a part of leadership and learning uh, culture and how to cultivate that is communication. Uh, being able to effectively communicate, uh, and it's mutual respect, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think there there tends to be times uh, when um, there are leaders who, who somehow feel like there are others who might be irrelevant. Mm -hmm. My belief is no one's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Everyone's relevant. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do we make them more relevant? Mm -hmm. um, and, and from that standpoint, you know, you could have a head of state police that, thinks my agency is a little bit more relevant than the Department of Transportation or, or um, licensing agencies. But if you approach it with a mutual respect and communicate, you mm -hmm. know, you, you try to have, um, you know, open dialogue about what you're trying to accomplish. And quite frankly, you need leadership from your governor's office. Mm. I mean, that executive CEO of the state is going to be the individual who charges each of those organizations to work hard. Um, and, you know, again, from whoever that, that leader of the top of that organization, now I have to communicate to those who are below uh, or, or direct reports mm -hmm. so that that can cascade down the importance of why. Yeah, I think for many years... Um, we had a culture, and you know, as a kid, I grew up. I didn't, I didn't necessarily ask my parents why I had to do something. <laughs> they said, "Do it." They said, so, "Take out the trash." Yeah, why? You, it doesn't matter it why. Doesn't I'm matter telling why. you to do it. Do it, right? <laughs> but we're in a society of why, 
You have yeah. to be. You have to be really uh, intentional about mm-hmm. telling people why it is that you're trying to get them to do the things that you are. Yeah. Uh, and and that's proven to work, right? It's it's not it's not a cultural demand of a new generation that is, you know, okay, we got to meet the fad because we need to retain talent. When people understand their why, they become more committed and more effective in what they're doing. You're absolutely right. And I think now it's more acceptable and it's more understood by the leader, mm-hmm. by most leaders, good leaders anyway, yeah. that <laughs> you have to, you have to uh, give the why. Uh, and, and that why is what gets everyone yeah. to buy in. Yeah. Yeah. So, why leave Highway Safety Office and go to DDS? What was the why there? Uh, that's, you know, when you get to a point, I think, of in, in anyone's career, uh, you look at where can you contribute perhaps on a larger scale uh, in, in what oppor- and that has to be met with an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and, and fortunately, um, you know, there are some, in the, in the, my, many in, in the Amber world who know uh, I came into DDS as the deputy commissioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Michael was the commissioner at the yep. time. I had worked with Rob in the Highway Safety Office. You know, and, and we talk about building relationships, establishing relationships. He was a prosecutor before he came to the Highway Safety Office who I engaged just because we were we were mutually out mm-hmm. uh, trying to educate. But you develop those relationships, um, and, and they work. I mean, it, it becomes more about us and not me and not you and not uh, singular vision, but collaborative vision that works over time. I came into DDS in 2012 at a very volatile time. Uh, July of that of 2012, we, like a few other states, were one of those initial adopters of Real ID. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows, you know, Processes that took less than 30 minutes took more than two hours. Um, people were uh, absolutely taken aback with the proof of, of, uh, of who you were, a proof of identity, having to dig those documents out, and all those things. You know, people, didn't, people weren't used to doing that, mm-hmm. and that became, there's no real way to communicate. It's tough. It's we, we in the community deal with this now. It's really tough to communicate with a customer until they need a service, mm-hmm. right? They're only thinking about us when they need a service, and we have to figure out how to become relevant more than just that the day of service, right. your birthday, and things like that. Uh, that'll speak to the highway safety piece that I hope we can accomplish over time uh, and, and focus a little bit more over this year. But... DDS was experiencing that, right? And I came in in uh, December, and I remember, I remember actually com- going to a uh, a planning event uh, for the Region Two mm-hmm. uh, conference. I was not yet a, an employee of DDS. I was still working for the Governor's Office of Highway Safety, uh, and uh, but I came. Uh, I remember going to an initial event at Botanical Gardens yep. uh, in Atlanta. And meeting you guys. Yeah. That's, I remember that's, meeting you very vividly. Yes. <laughs> that was my first introduction into the AMVA community. And, you know, I had I had spent many years working in the uh, GHSA community, right? Sure. Governor's Highway Safety Association. 
Uh, it's a sort of a sister organization to yeah. ANVA, structured a little bit differently. Certainly, it was a great organization, and there were great people. Man, there was something absolutely um, different, distinct. Um, it was it was something different about the ANVA community that was immediate. It was like I'm walking into a world I got introduced to a few people, and those few people became a few more people, and those few became a lot of people, and and all of a sudden there was this net. By the week, by the time we got to to having the conference in in I guess June, mm-hmm. you know, I knew a lot of people in the community. It was like, hey, it's like a family reunion Absolutely. when we got to uh, just met them in right, December six months ago, and then. <laughs> And that's the magic of Anva. Uh, that's the uniqueness of Anva. Uh, the community really embraces you. Yeah. Um, and it is that that embracing and that mutual respect, something that I talked about, that's important yeah. to, to any relationship when you're going to get things accomplished. That you know, I've I've enjoyed becoming a part of. Um, I've never assumed anything, so. When I say that, what I mean is I never assume that this relationship will result in this action or this future relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. I, everything for me is organic. In other words, if it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. Mm. Uh, and that's been the amazing part of my AMVA experience. Mm-hmm. Things have happened for me in a very organic way. To now mm-hmm. be chair of the organization, mm-hmm. wow, it's amazing. It's uh, it really is a, a great story that I can share, I can tell, and you know there, there are people along the way who have to be really influential. Sure, uh, part of that, right? Absolutely. And, and nobody, a, nobody gets there on their nobody own. gets there on their own, right? And you know, I'll, I'll say a name like person like Rick Holcomb, mm-hmm. right? Rick Holcomb, absolutely wonderful part of this community. But, you know, I remember having a conversation with Rick, a private conversation. Mm-hmm. And I won't detail all the things that Rick and I said or exchanged during that conversation, but it was I, it was clear to me that Rick saw me and he saw something that I could contribute. And, you know, it was it was... You know, beyond that, I already had a, a boss at the time, you know, Rob, who was already uh, knew a lot of my uh, capabilities and, and things. But it's just that small seed sowing, those conversations mm-hmm. like that, they become rewarding. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that organic build. That's someone sowing. And, you know, me, I'm a, um, I'm, I, I always... I'm not saying this to just say it, but I, everything for me goes back to growing up on a farm in rural middle Georgia where I live uh, on a few hundred acres that was that was purchased in a 1954 in middle Georgia by my grandfather who didn't have a high school education, my dad who dropped out of school uh, to support his elderly family but they never saw a challenge that they didn't want to tackle Mm. if they felt like they could tackle it they could achieve it so when you couple having opportunity 
mm-hmm. people who see something and they they give you opportunity with a work ethic of whatever the challenge we'll, we'll do it yeah. we'll do it we'll we'll accomplish it it may take more than more time yeah. uh, than we initially thought um things happen and that's that organic uh growth uh that i think is that's been wonderful for for me in the Anva community that's certainly you know i see it in other persons uh, in the Anva community um, I remember back to the very first leadership mm-hmm. class of, mm-hmm. of, of AMBA and how how fortuitous is it that you're in the initial class yep. of a vision that someone created yep. that said, hey, we need to grow, cultivate, pour into the future leaders of AMBA. Yep. And we create these leadership courses. And of the leadership force, I'm the first chair to have uh, gone through that initial class. And I'm hopeful that many, many more, uh, you know, of my colleagues who have gone through leadership uh, and beyond become chair because I think that's that organic growth. Absolutely. You know, and it's there's uh, some AMVA poetry there in that we are uh, 2024 will be the 10th anniversary of when we started it, <laughs> and here you are as the first alumni to be chair. Wow. Um, and at the same time, you are joined on your new executive committee yeah. by Melissa Gillette. That's right. Uh, who I believe was in the second uh, <laughs> academy class. I don't believe she was in yours the she first was, year. That's right. But it was the it was the second year. So it, it is. It's it's happening, uh, and it's. However, while everyone appreciates your your humble and modest nature, <laughs> at the same time. Yes, it happens organically, but you have to be a willing participant. You've got to step into it. Someone like a Rikolka may say, hey, I want to open this door for you, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to walk through the door. And not everybody is. That's very true. And, you know, I think that's a part of, that's a, for me, that's my DNA. I want to walk through that door. Um, I, want to, I want to walk to it, through it mainly not just for me, but I walk through it because I want somebody else to walk behind mm-hmm. me. So mm. any door that I walk through, my my intention is to ensure that when I walk through it, I show a path to someone else where they can walk through it as well. Mm. Uh, so there's a little bit of boldness that you have to have in order to, yes, right. walk through that door. But, you know, for me, it's always been, okay, and this happens over time, I don't think, if you're a young leader, this is something that I can tell you, you're gonna be working extremely hard for, for you uh, as a young leader because you feel like, I want to get to certain places in my career mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be working extremely hard in order to get there and it's gonna be somewhat self-serving because you're a young leader. The longer you lead, the more you, then understand it's not about me. Right. It's about everyone else and the people that you want to walk through that door as well. So your leadership uh, starts to, to, to heighten to a sense where as you ascend, you're ensuring other people ascend, and they're ensuring other people ascend, and we're all being lifted together. So I, I, you know, I appreciate people like Rob and Rick and 
you know, you and Ann and, 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 you know, there's so many names that I could sure, say. I'm not, I can't say them all. Um, and beyond, obviously there's a lot of people in my personal life who yep. also help with that. Right. But there are a lot of things that are, that are, that come into play. Um, and what I've always find found that if you aren't motivated by self-interest alone, and you're motivated by the interest of pulling people along with you, you're always going to get a better mm. result. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I do want to ask you if you're comfortable talking about it. You know, you talked about your personal life. You talked about DNA. You talked about, you know, your, your grandfather, your father. And, you know, it's for many families, it's all about, you know, the, the generations. Mm -hmm. um, on the other side of that, you know, that's a big part of your, your life when you're not running around with AMVA. Yeah, man. It's uh, what I, what I, um, I'm, I've always been fortunate to um, have an opportunity to give back. I feel like so much has been given to me that I have to give back. I talk about everybody, and I think everybody in this community by now knows that I'm a softball coach. I'm probably a softball coach, then commissioner of DDS, then <laughs> chair of board. So, and, and I was fortunate enough to go to Morehouse on an athletic scholarship, uh, and it was absolutely um, a wonderful experience um, being able to transition uh, through those avenues and get out of college without college debt. We mm. both know we mm -hmm. now have, you and I both have college freshmen, so we know the expense of mm -hmm. college education. Um, and, you know, I was fortunate. I was fortunate enough to get that scholarship, but I've always believed that, you know, nothing in life comes for free. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely zero in life that comes for free. So I, I had a debt and I do still have a debt to pay. And that debt that I pay is now through my volunteer efforts in, in getting other kids college opportunities, college scholarship opportunities through the softball world. It's been one of those things that has absolutely, absolutely been amazing because when I think about or I get that text or email from a now college students, some of them, I'm, I'm now getting where they've graduated college and they say, coach, I remember when you said this. Hmm. I, re I remember, you know, I always tell them, everything about this softball field is a microcosm of life. You're gonna have some ups, mm -hmm. you're gonna have some downs, you're gonna have some really great times, you're gonna have some really tough times. Mm. But learn from it, learn from it. Uh, and so, you know, we've been able to, put a lot of kids in, in school and play softball. That's something that I really enjoy. Um, um, my daughter did it for a lot of years and and uh, she's at University, University of Kentucky at the moment and uh, she, uh, she, she enjoys it uh, a, a lot. Uh, well, she's, she's not, she's chosen to take a back seat to softball at the moment. Okay. Uh, because she, uh, she wants to be a doctor. Uh, and uh, she has a pretty tough course load mm. uh, this uh, this fall, uh, and she's there. And I always remind her that she's there because of an academic scholarship. Mm. She's a really good student. Um, so it's been it's that part uh, that that part has been great um, and 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 rewarding. Yeah, and that that generational journey from the story that started with your grandfather 
to you and now to a daughter who's on a to be a doctor trajectory. I mean, who who could want more than that? Well, there used to be um, there used to be this. I, I went to a, a Baptist church growing up, and uh, I remember, and this is a song that kind of plays in my mind um, uh, over time. Uh, and there was uh, there was an older um, lady who sang this song, but she would always say, "Every round goes higher and higher." Those were the lyrics of that okay. that that song. Um, and, and, you know, her, her message in the song was every generation should go higher and higher. I didn't know that that's what she was saying yeah. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, you know, you reminisce back to things that you've heard over time. Mm-hmm. So I look at that and I, and I think about, and I often think about that, that I didn't ask my daughter to go to that field. Mm-hmm. But when I think about it, it's just really uh, touching. It's, uh, it, it's emotional to me because it's like, wow, something about that reigns true in my life, right? There's, there's been, uh, you know, some, some really good people who have poured in and you continue to, continue to pour in and you hopefully you get a result uh, at the end. And, Again, you, you know you have to have um, you have to have a willingness to take those uh, assignments on. I don't know if I would have uh, chosen, I, you know, to take on such a tough field. Yeah. And choose it. She did. Yeah. Um, but it's it's great. It's, yeah. it's wonderful to see it. Yeah. Well, can't wait to see where it takes her. <laughs> uh, can't wait for this year with you as chair. Uh, when I mentioned how vivid our first meeting was back to Botanical Gardens to think that my first year in this role <laughs> would be your first year as, as chair, uh, it, well, your year as chair, uh, is more than I could have also wished for. So I know we're going to be having this conversation a lot over this coming year. <laughs> You'll be back many times. The chair appears often on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and I just can't, can't wait to start our journey together. Same here, Ian. It's... Uh... You know, I, I think back of, of the people who did embrace, you were one of the first. Oh, you were one of the first. Um, and, you know, we've, every conference since that time, um, connected and gained a better and better uh, relationship and understanding of each other. And, and that's the wonderful thing. And to see you as, as CEO and president of, of AMBA, that's exciting. Um, you you have a lot of vision, and I've seen that vision in in action. I think um, we as members will absolutely um, see a different E. And I think one mm. of the things that you sometimes I think we as people we think we see an individual and we see them in certain roles, and we don't necessarily envision them in other roles, and and see you know because we. You know, we've seen someone else. Yeah. I can't wait that people see oh. what Ian Grossman has to offer. Oh, that is <laughs> that is really meaningful for you, for you to say. Thank you, Spencer. Thank we you. Will, we will do this again. We will. Thank you all for listening this week. As always, thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast. 
Hosted by Ian Grossman. Produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. <laughs>